I'm Nevada Basketball's Jordan Caroline, and you listen to Pack Center. What up, Wolfpack Nation? It is the new host of Pack Center, Garrett Hirschberg, here with my special co-host, Miguel McNamara. Miguel, how's it going? I'm doing good. That's great to hear. Uh, we are honored for you to be here for today. Our past co-host, or ba- our past host, Jordan Burns, has moved on to bigger and better things. If you have not checked out the Pack Center documentary, I recommend that you do. You can find it on our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube channel. With that being said, we hope you had an amazing holiday season and a happy new year. I'm sure Nevada is joining is enjoying their start to 2018. Since we've been gone, the men's basketball team has gone an impressive 12 and 3, and we are currently ranked 23rd in the nation according to the AP Top 25, following a win at Colorado State on Saturday. Miguel, what are your thoughts on this Nevada team? Uh, this team is definitely uh, a different one from the past years. I'm currently a junior here, so walking into the stadium to these games, you can feel the energy coming from the players and the coach as well as the rest of the fans. With Coach Coach Musselman uh, having his third season, <clears throat> excuse me, with Nevada, being ranked number 23 in the nation is is a uh, big accomplishment. Yeah, this is something. Last year, we thought Nevada. I thought Nevada was going to be ranked, but they never eventually got to crack the top twenty-five. And this is their third time in the top twenty-five this year. The last two times haven't gone well, but hopefully this will change. Uh, let's rattle off the results. As we mentioned, they went twelve and three. They started off uh, with a loss versus TCU, eighty-four to eighty. That was the game in Los Angeles, part of the Hall of Fame Classic. They rattled off what. Tough game. Yeah. They rattled off three straight wins against Radford, UC Davis, and Jordan Caroline's alma mater, Southern Illinois. They had a heartbreaking loss to San Francisco in the final of the Continental Tire Classic. Then they rattled off a bunch of wins in Mountain West play against Fresno State, New Mexico, Wyoming, Air Force, Utah State, San Jose State, Boise, and Boise State. After that Boise State game, which was a classic, they suffered a all-time loss to Wyoming, 104 to 103 in double overtime. That game was in Laramie. It was a very tough game, controversial. And then ever since that loss, they've rattled off two straight wins, one against Fresno State, the other at, at Colorado State. And the team is sitting pretty right now with a record of 20 and 4 and 9 and 1 in conference. They currently have a half game lead over Boise State. So let's jump into some of these games. Speaking of Boise, let's talk about that game. This was a game. Earlier in the earlier in January, uh, Nevada won seventy four to sixty eight. Were you there, Miguel? Uh, I was not actually. Unfortunately, I had uh, other pressing issues, but I did catch uh, some of the highlights and uh, watch some of the game. So in this game, it was a, it was basically a slugfest between the number one, the number one and number two players in the conference. I'm not going to choose between Chandler Hutchinson and Caleb Martin, but they both went. They both went for a combined 55 points. The, these two are the front runners for player of the year, for conference player of the year. Um, as we mentioned, these are the number one and number two teams in the conference. But I think what Nevada did really well is they limit on defense. They they limited Boise State to 14% from three. Yeah, it's definitely hard, especially with, uh, like you're saying, Chandler Hutchison scoring 27 points of those 55 Keeping them to fourteen percent from the three point line is very impressive. Jordan, uh, yeah, Jordan Caroline recorded his eighth double double of the season. Um, it was weird because in this game, in the first half, only three Wolfpack players scored, which 
isn't good, but they somehow had the lead in the first half. Yeah, it's definitely um, they were cracking down. The uh, Boise defense was cracking down on certain players, um, and having only three Wolfpack players score in the first half is definitely different than um, what a lot of uh, Nevada fans are used to. Everybody's used to scoring at least once or twice. <clears throat> But three three players is definitely interesting. And another interesting fact is that since Lawler Event Center history, it was the eleventh largest crowd, which is very impressive. Yeah, it was it was great to see that many people in Lawler, and we should expect that number to be we should expect that game to go lower on the ranks following this week's game. But we'll get there that later. But this was a nationally televised game, and I think this was a great game not only for Nevada, but I think for the conference itself. It's showcasing the top two teams. In the conference, these are two teams that have a potential to make a to have a tournament bid. We don't really know one of them is Nevada, but Boise State. Boise State's on the fences. But this was a great game. I think this got a lot of national exposure because you this was on this was a slugfest between the two teams. Came down to the wire, and Nevada was able to win. Um, anything else you want to talk about this game? Um, definitely along the lines of the talent that uh, is in the Mountain West with these two teams having a slugfest, as you were saying, um, both have a chance to get a bid to the March Madness tournament. It's definitely um, up there with Nevada. It's most likely going to happen. I'm not going to jinx it at all. But um, with Boise State, they have a solid, solid chance in getting in. Yeah. And let's now jump into the next game, this heartbreaking loss. To Wyoming in Laramie, 104-103. This game went to double overtime. Did you watch this on TV? I did. It was a this, yeah, tight this, game. Mm-hmm. And this this game restated my point that I hate Jesse. I hate Justin James. <laughs> he he's killed Nevada in the two matchups we've had this season, and he's he's just good. He f- always finds a way to get to the paint and somehow makes it. He is definitely a great player. 30, he went 33, uh, 33 points on 14-22 shooting. Another day at the office for him, uh, while Jordan Caroline added 29 points, which which is good for him, but he also started very slow in that game. He could not find the, he could not buy a basket. But I think the most controversial play in this game came at the end at the end of the at the end of regulation when when uh, Kayla Martin was fouled on a three call and they didn't call it. Definitely, that was that was one that uh, I personally had a lot of disagreement about, and I know all the Nevada fans at home were definitely hyped up about it. Yeah. Um, speaking of other foul trouble, um, it's it's also hard to win when you, you have two starters foul out in Kendall and Lindsey, and two other bench players uh, get in foul trouble. Elijah and, Elijah and House each had four, each had four fouls, but it, they they only have X amount of scholarship players, so it's hard to. When you lose two players, you're already down to like six players and then two more. Two more. You're almost getting into a situation like what Alabama had earlier in the year was five on three. Yeah, definitely. That's that's a situation that you really that you never want to be in, but you have to kind of roll with the roll with the dice and just see what happens. In this game, Nevada unveiled new pink uniforms. What were your thoughts on them? They were definitely very interesting. Um a, a little different than what I would expect Nevada to wear, but mm. according to Wolfpack Twitter, they, fans hated them. Like they're like, "Don't wear them again." It's like these are we're cursed. 
Uh, th- these new uniforms were their were their tenth new jerseys of the season, mm-hmm. which is insane. Yeah, they've definitely been showcasing a lot more uh, um, swag, as the kids say, in um, <clears throat> in uh, their uniforms. I understand the fans not liking the pink pink uniforms on top of us losing our first game. We we the, that game between Wyoming and Nevada looked like pink and yellow starbursts. <laughs> going at each other. Yeah. I mean, those flavors, too, are controversial in, in and of each other. Which one's better? Yeah. All right. Um, let's jump into the next one. Following that loss, that dropped us out of the top 25. We came back, and we beat Fresno State. Now, this is an interesting team because last year, Fresno State had our number. They beat us two out of three times, but then we've come back since those two losses in regular season play. We've rattled off three straight wins, and this one was no different. This was hard-fought win. Nevada was even trailing at the half. Yes, they were, which was very uh, worrisome. I was at that game, and um, it was very worrisome at the half. It was Everybody was kind of questioning whether uh, it was possible for Nevada to come back, and they ended up they ended up coming back and just grinding it out. Yeah, Nevada in that game, Nevada had five first-half turnovers, and in the second half, they didn't turn the ball over once. Uh, it was, it's nice to see that Nevada has this uh, opportunity to put up 100 plus points in regular time, but then they also have opportunities where they can just grind out defensive wins where the offense doesn't really show. So I think this this game is definitely a big showcase one. Uh, Cody Martin, beastly performance as he had 22 points, seven rebounds, six assists. Another day at the office for the Martin Twins. Mm-hmm. Definitely. The Martin Twins are good at this thing we call basketball, <laughs> and there's no there's no debating it. There is not. They have. They definitely have the talent to play the game uh, at a higher level than most people. Yeah. Which one do you think is better? You you can't have me choose favorites in this. It's not. You, you can't really uh, pick one over the other. They're they're a duo. They come together. If you if you try and separate them out into individuals, they're not the same when they're playing together on the same team. Which one do you think is a bigger? Fit or in, which one do you think has a bigger impact on the Nevada team? Um, I would definitely have to say Caleb has a bigger impact. He's he's the guy who who's always talking, who's always working with uh, other players, and um, he's definitely more of the uh, hype man as opposed to uh, Cody. Cody's a little bit more reserved, but he's still he's still out there. All right, all right, good to know. All right, let's um, dur- actually during this game, Nevada basketball got a sh- <clears throat> Nevada basketball got a shout out from one ESPN's own Scott Van Pelt qu- in quote saying he likes the confidence Nevada plays with. I couldn't agree more. This could this this also could be because because co- Scott had a bet on Nevada minus seven, which we covered by the way. <laughs> but let's jump into the last game of the weekend. Um, where we went to uh, Fort Collins to face the Rams of Colorado State. Now, personally, I hate their court. It made me nauseous. Yeah, same. The design on the court is definitely different, but does not play well with uh, my eyes. This this was a really interesting game because if last year Colorado State had two tough matchups with Nevada at the end of the at the end of the regular season and then at the end during the tournament. But it's so different to see that they don't have. Uh, they're two big players, uh, Clavel, Amogbo, and then with the news that Larry Eustacey would be is on temp- temporary leave, 
It it was weird to watch this game and not see like their big players and keep it close. It was a close game, but I think Carl said had to definitely scrap and claw to keep it close. Yeah, definitely. Losing your top two players and your coach is not uh, an ideal thing that you want to go through, especially toward especially in the middle of a season. But going into the half, Nevada was only up by two points, so Colorado State was definitely keeping within there, trying to claw their way back into the game. But even then, even with your best, their best player didn't even start the game because he was out with injury, uh, Prentice Nixon. But it's still, you know what, I think Nevada just got to take every win. It doesn't matter how you get the win. Like, you remember earlier in the year, uh, just a few weeks ago, that San Jose State game, it was close. It was much closer than it needed to be. Yeah, definitely. A few stats from the game. Caleb Martin dropped 26 points, which led the game, seven rebounds. Lindsey Drew scored a career high, tied a career high with 16 points. And Lindsey's one of these, like, interesting figures on this team because he's not really known for offense, but he can give you but he can give you key buckets. Yeah, definitely. He's he is um, what the team calls a clutch player. He's not really there when you don't need him, but when you need him, he he comes out on top. Yeah, like his best attribute on offense, well, besides his passing, is the fact that he can drive to the lane and finish. He's not like the greatest at jump shooters, but we we always see him. He can just go in with a nice finger roll. But I think what his best his best part of his game is is able is he's able to run coast to coast offense, like get that quick bucket like when the defense is not set. Yeah, definitely. He has the uh, determination, talent, and ability to keep the defense on their toes and definitely be able to catch them when they're off guard. Well, that's all the games that we've missed. Let's now look forward at this game coming out today. Um, we take on the Rebel Alliance, this school down south, Definitely. Nevada Southern. <laughs> Definitely uh, a huge rivalry game. All the uh, Nevada UNLV games are huge rivalry games, no matter what what the record is, no matter who um, – is higher up on the totem pole. This is always a game that uh, students get super excited for. Now let's take a look at some of the details about Nevada Southern. They come into this game with a record of 16-7, and 5-5 and five in conference. They score a lot of points, and they get a lot of rebounds. They're a very physical team on the glass. Uh, key player to watch is Brandon McCoy, a five-star recruit out of high school. Don't know why he chose the school down south, but uh, he, he was predicted to be the Mountain West Freshman of the Year. He is projected to leave after this year and declare for the draft. Um, But I think it's going to be hard for Nevada to stop him because they don't really have a big man. Yeah, they definitely don't have have a big man underneath the court. But one thing that they can do definitely is try and and keep him um, contained. And what I mean by that is keep him – more out of out of his comfort zone where he's used to and kind of push him to uh different areas of the court or even push him um closer to baselines and stuff and just keep him out of his original position good analysis uh you can find this game on on eight on on it's on cbs sports network at eight o'clock um but right now we're going to jump into a special interview with a with a with a former UNR student. His name is Leo Bias. Uh, enjoy the enjoy the uh, enjoy the interview.
We are joined by a very special guest, Leo Bias, uh, manager and editor of uh, Cowbell Kingdom, former University of Nevada Reno graduate. Leo, how's it going today? I'm good, brother. Thanks for having me, man. No problem. Before we start talking about um, Nevada basketball, I want to talk to you about the Sacramento Kings. How, what is it like to watch De'Aaron Fox play on a daily basis? He is really, really fast, sometimes overwhelmingly fast. Um, do I sound okay? Because I'm super sick right now. I'm, I'm under the weather, and my voice sounds... It's it's picking you up. It's good. Kind of raspy. Okay, perfect. So, yeah, De'Aaron Fox, he's a hell of a kid, a great human being. He's great after the game, before the game. Anytime you want to talk to him about just random things, about shoes, about video games... He's down for it. I mean, he is the face of the franchise, and I just can't wait till year three where people start noticing his his soon to be greatness. And uh, right now, he's doing a good job. He after his injury, after he missed about two to three weeks, he came back strong, and he's been averaging, you know, about fifteen points a game since then, and he's been really playing well. That's a really good sign moving forward. So it sounds like he's a bona fide scorer. He is. He's a he's a scoring guard, no question about it, with the ability to pass. You know, uh, he's not Lando Ball in terms of passing, but he can definitely facilitate the basketball. Uh, um, now let's get back. Now let's dive into uh, Nevada basketball. You've had opportunities so far this year to watch them. What are your thoughts on them? Well, we're ranked number twenty-three, third time we're ranked, man. I'm super excited. Uh, the rankings came out yesterday, I believe. Just, I, I'm just hoping that we we keep those like we stay in the top 25 and not lose. Then from there, we'll just keep moving up charts, man. I mean, I'm super excited. I wish I could have covered a winning team when I was there. I never had the chance to. I take that back. Uh, I did have a chance to uh, 2012, I believe, when we won the Mountain West. Uh, season championship, but then we got no, no, we won the the WAC, sorry, and then, and we lost in uh, conference play, which ended up which we ended up not making it to the big dance. Uh, Deontay Burton was our best player at the time, and you know it just didn't happen. We had Coach Carter, who, who I wasn't a fan of as a, as a coach, great human being, but now we have a really damn good head coach, and I'm happy for for Nevada and. All of its great fans. So, uh, will you be tuning in to uh, the game against uh, Nevada Southern? I will. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, FUMLV, right? Mm Mm-hmm. What are your uh, (laughs) predictions for the game? I mean, Nevada will definitely cover the spread. I think it's it's 8.5 or 10.5. They'll win about by 15. That's that's great to hear. Um, who, who has impressed you the most on this Nevada team? From a Definitely fans? Caleb. I, I think I wasn't expecting much from him. Um, talking to some scouts, they're saying he, if he does declare, he uh, won't get drafted. But when I see him play, I feel like he has a good chance to be a, a Corey Brewer type player. You know, that, that 3MD guy that if you're able to hit an open three and play solid team defense – and individual defensive times, then you'll have a spot in the NBA. 
they question his athleticism. You know, I've I've seen him get up, so I I feel like he has deceptive athleticism. I'm just hoping that when he does, like if in fact he does declare, or if he doesn't, if he waits it out another year, then during his his pre-draft workouts. He really kills it. I don't know him as a person. I've never had, you know, the chance to interview him or, you know, interact with him. But I'm sure he's a good kid. Do you think? Well, do you think he would take the like the Cam Oliver approach, leave early? Uh, because we see we see how like he hasn't gotten to the point he wanted to. Like he got the summer tryout with the Rockets, but never really made. He hasn't made it to the big leagues yet. Do you think uh, that year at this year at Nevada would have benefited him? Came over. Absolutely, but you can't be mad at him for taking three hundred thousand dollars guaranteed. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah he's got. But, but yeah, for the my my selfish side, for the betterment of the program, if we had Ken Oliver, we're definitely a top ten team in 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 the states. No question about it. But. It is what it is. Uh, they brought in the, the twins, and you know we we have a really good roster. It's very balanced. We got shooters, we got slashers, we got facilitators. We just have a really really good overall team. I think one thing that makes this Nevada team great is that they can run a lineup of six, seven, and up, and they'll be fine at all positions. Exactly. Do you see the style of play of like of of combo guards of players who can guard like? Two through four, like, in, like infiltrating like the NBA. I do see some of it, but you know, I always say in college, coaching matters, and and coaches tend to dictate a lot of the pace and and just control, uh, just the overall offense and defense. And in the NBA, talent is what wins out. You know, like. If you have a great player, say Russell Westbrook, you forget about your offense and you just let him go. You don't really see much of that in college, uh, unless your name is Trey Young. Yeah, Trey. But, yeah, Trey Young is is yeah, too good. Trey Young is something unique and special, and the offense is revolved around him. But you don't really see that a lot in college basketball. And I believe it was Coach Calipari came out and said, "I wish I would have told him, you know, this will be your team and you will be the main." Uh, the, the focal point he told him that he would be one of the focal points and you know Oklahoma sold him as the guy and obviously we know the rest he ended up going to Oklahoma and now he's you know a top three pick he's definitely in my in my top three right now so I just can't wait man I'm, I'm super excited for the 2018 draft as well you know the Kings will be drafting in the top five hopefully and hopefully they they get a a uh, game changer. Who would you say the king? Like, I know it's too early, but if you were to create a mock draft right now, like, who would you have the king selecting? If they get the number one pick, or like, just like, like one, one or two. Well, if if the kings get the number one pick, I would say they would definitely go with Luka Doncic, uh, European prodigy, Adam. Mm-hmm. He's definitely my top prospect right now. He's, in my opinion, he'd be averaging 30 to 40 points a game in college basketball. He's that good. He has that good of a feel for the game. He's a great passer, a great shooter. 6'8", not super athletic, but enough to to get by. Uh, He's definitely my clear-cut number one. What about Bagley? 
I'm seventh right now, man. I'm, I'm not too high on him, honestly. I think he's a defensive liability. Uh, he doesn't have a consistent jump shot, and I think it'll affect him once he gets once he gets to the NBA. Okay, if if it's not Doncic, what about uh, like what about players like uh, Aiden? Uh, yeah. All right, so right now I have Doncic, Aiden number two, Young number three, Jaron Jackson number four. I think he's going to be a hell of a prospect. Uh, Luka Doncic and Jaron Jackson to me are the safest picks. I, I believe they're guaranteed, and nothing nothing left guaranteed. But I but I, I believe these two are the closest things to being safe, and at the very minimum, being you know six man, seven man, at like at, at the worst case, and being very impactful players in, in the role. But I definitely see both of those players being stars in the game. Now, looking at Jordan Caroline, whose game do you, whose pro like which pro player do you think his game mimics? I see a little bit of Draymond in him. I I was super high on him. I watched him play live when they played uh, EOP. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was definitely dominant. Obviously, I could probably play against EOP. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he he was flat out balling, and uh, I. Honestly, I I think he's had uh, – I'm not sure how how you feel about this, but I feel like he's had not that good of a year in terms of expectations. You know, I thought he'd take the reins after Gam left, and I feel like Caleb's the best player on his team. Yeah, I feel I I feel like uh, Caleb's the best offensive player, and I feel like with Jordan Caroline, you realize that he his game is uh, centered in the post. And when you had Cam Oliver there – he was the focal point of someone you had to guard in the post. So, like, the second best post defender would have to go on Caroline. So, I feel like I feel like because Cam Oliver left, uh, uh, Caroline has struggled somewhat. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point, actually. And, again, a lot of players are not the same. Like, I feel like if Steph Curry didn't have – uh, Clay Thompson, he wouldn't be as good. Like nobody looks at Clay and they say, "Well, he's a superstar." Like to me, he's in the same situation James Harden was in when he played with Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. He was overshadowed, and I truly believe that if Clay had his own team, he'd be that guy and that marketable superstar. So I want to see Steph Curry. And not look, I'm not questioning his, his greatness. I think he's one of the best players in the game, but defensively he's a huge liability and if he didn't have the luxury of having such a great defender in play it'd be a different ball game yeah uh, personally I feel like offensively I feel like Clay exceeds with the Warriors because you have a point you have a guard a point guard who will give him the ball and will keep giving him the ball but I and I feel like if you put him with someone else like I don't know. It's just amazing what he does, like 60, 60 points without like with only dribbling the ball like 11 times. It's crazy, man. I mean, that Clay's amazing. But, again, I see more of that alpha dog in him if he had the chance. Mm-hmm. Right now he's just playing his role, and he's very good at it. So we already know Nevada um... – Nevada has a few seniors that are that are leaving out this year. Where do you think do you think Kendall Stevens has a future in the NBA? No. Who else? Um, I'm trying to think of who else is a senior. Um, I think Kendall Elijah. Um, no, he he doesn't either. Yeah, no. I, 
do you see Kendall playing like basketball, in, like in I the G League? Possibly, but if I was him, and the advice I'd give him is go to Europe, make a lot of good money, live life, travel. That's what I would tell him, honestly. That's 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 what I told Tay Burton. So, hmm. and what's uh, what's Tay Burton up to now? Do you know? He's he's playing the G League. Uh, he he was playing in, in in Paris, I believe. Before that, he was playing in Germany. So, uh, obviously, uh, obviously, he uh, took took my advice after he realized that shooting fifteen percent in summer league wasn't going to cut it in the NBA. You know, and trust me, he's a much better prospect than uh, than uh, the guy he just named on, on the team and Kendall, but. Uh, you know that that's how good you have to be at the next level, and uh, I believe Tay has NBA potential, but his jump shot definitely has to get a lot better before we even, you know, smirk at the idea of him coming back to the league. Okay, yeah, m- makes sense. Fifteen percent is god awful, no matter what league you're in. And I think that's something we're seeing. We saw like with Marquise Coleman. He's I think in. Paris playing overseas, maybe he'll have a shot at the G League. Um, I don't think so, but like I said, I stay over there. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think? Uh, what do you think Cam Oliver Cam Oliver's needs to do to improve his game in order to make the jump to the NBA? I think he just needs experience. I actually just texted him the other day. Um, I told him just to. Keep his head up. I believe he went. He got traded to Delaware. Because um, I, I know he was with Milwaukee. Yeah, or he, he was with the the and, Green Bay. Yeah, and he just got traded not too long ago. So, you know, like I said, keep your head up. Just be you. Play your game. And see, Cam's different, man. Cam's a physical specimen with a good-looking jump shot. It's 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 a matter of opportunity for, for some guys. And once he gets his opportunity, I truly believe that he can be a rotational player at the next level. That's good. Um, final question. Uh, is there anyone in that plays for the Bighorns and the Kings organization to look out for? Um, right now? Yeah. Oof. Not sure. Um, do you not really follow? I, I I do, but there's no one that really stands out to me because the uh, the only reason why I pay attention is because uh, the Kings have two two way players and Jakar Sampson and uh, Jack Cooley. They also send out their first round pick from a year and a half ago and uh, George Papayanis. So, but other than that, there's really nobody that. That's that's not on the Kings roster that really stands out to me. Um, I guess I'd say David Stockton, but you know David's been up and down, and he's a really good player. Uh, but again, he's just way too small to play consistently at the next level. Seems like uh, David has been up with Reno for the past like three or four years. Yep. All right. Well, thank you for joining me on the show. Um, we look forward to hearing from you soon. All right, brother. Appreciate you. Thanks.
Thank you, Leo, for joining us on the show this week. Amazing interview. Um, now let's get into rivalry week. We touched on this briefly, uh, the game against UNLV. It's a big one for Nevada, a big one for students, and a big one for this team. Uh, so what pregame new things? I'm, I'm trying to figure out what pre- new things Nevada will have this year. Last year we had the Battleborn jerseys, which, if you remember listening to our show, Jordan and I oozed over them. They were super clean. And last year we had Michael Buffer do the starting lineups. Yeah, um, definitely for this year, there are rumors going around that there will be new uniforms, uh, possibly some new antics. There's nothing that I can confirm. It's all just rumors. Um, I wouldn't hold your breath for anything new, but be on the lookout for something else. Because at the beginning of the season, we had that dude, uh, the painting national anthem guy. Yeah, that was definitely very interesting. And I'm just trying to think of what Nevada's going to do to one-up itself from last year. Because Michael Buffer was was an insane, is in, was insane. You, you can't really top Michael Buffer. Like, Bruce? As far as announcing. I mean, Vince definitely. Mc, Vince McMahon? That is definitely one that you could, but uh, like, let's let's be a little bit realistic. Let's let's here. realize Nevada doesn't have the budget for that. <laughs> yeah, uh, those are, those, that's a little expensive. I think I think well, one will the Fremont can will they wheel the Fremont cannon out during halftime? Oh yeah, definitely. Because that's we, a, we have to show our dominance. Yeah, and Neva- speaking of dominance, Nevada's won the last I think three matchups. Oh yeah, and it feels good because UNLV isn't good anymore at basketball. Not really. They've lost their touch over the past uh, couple years. But speaking of uniforms and shoe, let's talk about shoes. Which player do you think is going to have the best shoe for this game? Definitely, in my opinion, Caroline. He is always bumping out with the swag, with the Jordans. Um, there was a Twitter picture not that long ago where he was he was wearing some, I believe, I may be wrong, I believe he was repping some uh, retro 12s. Definitely the cleanest shoe. He definitely is on top of the shoe game. And, uh, yeah. That might be something we might have to investigate after this season. Jordan Caroline's shoe collection. It's it's definitely something that we should look into. Um, Yeah, but I I don't – I think that – I think that – I think Howis is going to have a nice Kobe. I think – I'm personally a big fan of the Kobe AD. Mm -hmm. It's a a very comfortable shoe. Mm -hmm. Um, I I like uh, Ken – and Kendall might come out with some new. I don't know if Kendall's going to stick with LeBron Zoom Soldiers or go with the 15s. It's up in the air. I mean, it ultimately it's it's his choice, but it definitely would be interesting to uh, come out with the 15s. And I and I, different. I want to see. Um, I don't know if you've seen these or not, but Paul George released the PlayStation Twos. I have. I, I want to see. Those are very I think. I think those would fit Nevada's colorway very, very well and nice. I don't know if I don't know if the Martin Twins are going to rock them or not. I definitely, if the Martin Twins would would get them, I definitely believe that they would pull them off very well. The PlayStation 2s are very, very nice. It's a very cool shoe. Um, Quick basketball note we forgot to mention. Our fan favorite, Charlie Tooley, Tool Time, received a scholarship for this semester. Congratulations, Charlie. Definitely a hard worker. Definitely deserves it. And if you have not checked out the video, we retweeted it from our account. You can check it out on Chris Murray's Twitter account where he had to earn it, sign it, sign the contract on Eric Musselman's back. A little bit weird, but I love it. Yeah, definitely uh, him taking the – Coach Musselman taking his shirt off was 
a little little interesting. I didn't realize that the contract was actually on his back, and they signed the contract. That was on his back. But Tully has worked so hard for this ever since he came onto this team, walked onto this team last year. He, everyone goes nuts when he checks into the game, and when he does score, Lawler just erupts. He is definitely one of the players that everybody loves, no matter what. Well, that's enough for Rivalry Week. Let's take another quick break, and we'll come back with some women's basketball. We are back talking about women's basketball. Now, since we've been gone... Women's basketball hasn't had as much success as the men's have. Uh, let's rattle off some of the games. They rattled off four straight wins um, against Seattle, Stanislaus State, Santa Clara, Fresno State. They had a tough game, tough loss to New Mexico, who was the number one team in the Mountain West at the time. They lost to Wyoming, close game. They beat Air Force. They got blown out by Utah State. They killed San Jose State. They beat Boise State, which was a huge win for the Pack. This occurred on the same day that the men's played. The men's beat them. They had a very, very tough loss versus Wyoming. Um, it, they were the number one team at the conference at the time of them playing. Uh, game came down to the wire, three-point game. They lost to Fresno State, and now the team is sitting with a record of 11-10 and 10 and 4-6 and six, which in conference, in conference, which is good for seventh place in the conference. The team has played really well at home, like, they have a home record of 8-4, and four, and one of those losses came against the number one team in the nation. How important do you think it is for this women's team to do well at home? Um, doing well at home is, is definitely something that you always want to do, no matter um, what sports you play, uh, especially for the women's team with them having such a rough uh, start. Mm, I wouldn't say start. I would say um, having a rough season. Being uh, eleven and ten is not something that any is not a place where everybody wants to really be at, and they're definitely uh, struggling in certain areas. But they're also clawing their way back with that win against Air Force, the win against San Jose State, the win against Boise State. Those are those are some pretty big wins for them. And and like the men's schedule, their see their schedule does not get any easier. This week, um, they have to face the school down south as part. As wherever the in conference play, wherever the men's play, the women's play at their school. So if Nevada would host Air Force, women's will be at Air Force, mm-hmm. vice versa. So they travel down to uh, Vegas to face the number one team in the conference, which is weird because Nevada has faced three teams. This is now the third team they faced at the point of them playing that they were ranked number one in the conference. First, uh, first New Mexico, then Wyoming, now UNLV. UNLV comes in with a record of thirteen and eight. And an eight and two record in conference, it's going to be another tough game for Nevada. I, I, I don't, want, I don't want UNLV to win, but I don't. I think this, their team is good this year. Yeah, definitely the women's team for being thirteen and eight and just dropping, dropping some points on these. Like, um, as you said, for Nevada playing three number one teams in their season already, it's, it's a, it's tough schedule. Yeah, and and this is and having having as much success as they have has come to a surprise in Amanda Levin's first season. 
yeah, especially with her first season with the team, uh, with 11 wins, they tie the same amount of wins that they had all of last season. At this point last year, the team only had six wins. And this is a team that had a legendary head coach. Um, I'm blanking on her name, but like she was like well respected amongst women's college basketball. And for Amanda Levins to come in from Arizona State and t- take this program from a team that went 11 and 9, 19 last year to now at this point with with not that many games remaining to have a above five hundred record is impressive. Yes, very impressive. The team, the team looks, the team seems to be responding to her well, and it seems like she's getting the most out of her players. Yeah, it's also a thing that um, the person's name who are you looking for was Jane Albright. There we go. Yeah, having the same coach for seven, eight plus years, you kind of get used to hearing the same kind of voice. Having somebody new step in, having a fresh. Uh, look upon the game definitely helps uh, players um, not only listen to advice, but definitely put in more work to become better. I think I think Amanda is trying to fo- follow that Musselman approach, where Musselman turns a team that won seven games into a team that won twenty games and won the CBI title. Now, I'm not saying that. The women's team is going to make a tournament like that, but it, you look at the transformations between the two teams, between the two coaches. Yeah, definitely. Um, while the men's team, as we've said before, has a lot more has had a lot more success, and it's definitely a lot faster going through that success. Uh, the women's team is gradually kind of getting up there, and the change in culture with Musselman being signed on with uh, Miss Levin's coming coming in with their first season there's definitely a change in culture of how uh nevada basketball is playing yeah this is a team that likes to score a lot or that scores a lot and shoots the ball from three a lot they they, they average about five three-pointers a game and they're shooting at a mark of like 35 percent, which isn't the greatest yeah, it's definitely not the greatest, but they're definitely uh, starting to step outside their bound their uh, boundaries and safe safe spaces, and putting their themselves out there. Um, practice makes perfect. You got to be uncomfortable before you get comfortable. Yeah, and looking at looking at this team, uh, last year last year a big emphasis of their team was turnovers. Like they had like as a team last year they only, they had a ton of ton of turnovers. Where this year so far in their twenty one games they have. They have uh, 314 turnovers, which is an average of about 15, which is high. But I think especially as you move on, time goes on, and your new co- and you, with your new coach, you implement that system. I think that number is going to go down and down. That's one thing we've seen with the men's team as well. Yeah, definitely. Just getting used to a new system, uh, not everybody being on the same page as far as uh, plays go down the fast break there's definitely um a lot of turnovers that are going to be in uh the early part of the season but like you said as time goes on that number will decrease as uh the players get more comfortable with the system i think if you look at it from last year's it as because they're not in last place i think it's a huge win because last year we would we would talk about them and they'd just be dead last every time we checked the conference standings and the fact that they're seventh is really good I think they're getting real. They're getting great production out of senior uh, Tage Zeller, who leads the team in scoring. And I think that 
it's good to see Nevada being being able to have success because we with new coaches we didn't see any success with Norvell. We were seeing great success with Levins, and we saw fantastic success with Moss. Another coach in there, T.J. Bruce, not not the greatest success, mm-hmm. but I think it's great to see that Nevada is having this success, and I think if Levins Levins keeps having increasing the success, it's going to be we we got to focus on keeping her rather than losing her to a bigger program, sort of like what almost happened with Moss. Yeah, definitely. How you're saying with uh, in past years, women's basketball in Nevada would be just in dead last. Nobody really wanted to talk about it, and now. While we're still kind of not um, up to the point where we think we can be, we're slowly working our way up. Being seventh in the league is better than being last in the league. I also think it was a bit harder for Levins to get her recruiting class this year because coming in as a new coach, you don't essentially get all the kids you, all the kids you want. Yeah, definitely. And also um, all the kids being um, a little more cautious with having a brand new coach, learning a new system not really uh, knowing if it will be successful or not. Pretty much everyone on this team was a part of Albright's system, and that's why they were brought here to play. So it might be interesting. These 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 said players might not essentially fit Levin's system, so her system she might have to adjust to the players. But I think once she gets her recruiting class, she, it'll be it'll be different because – we still have not gotten a full must team. Like, like you look at it, Elijah Foster is the only player not from the must era. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. And uh, I, I think next year will be will be a good year for both men's and women's basketball. But on that note, let's take another quick break, and we'll get back to our final segment. With baseball and softball season right around the corner, it is time for us to preview their season. Uh, baseball is in its 30th season at Piccoli Park. The team has a very tough schedule ahead as they face Oregon State and Cal State, Cal State Fullerton, to name a few schools. Both those teams were in the College World Series. What are your proje- predictions for baseball, Miguel? Um Baseball is, I mean, like you said, they have a very tough schedule ahead facing uh, teams that have made it to the College World Series. So it's it's up in the air. Um, there's nothing is for certain, but I do believe that the pack can come out on top. Yeah, it's a tough season, and this is T.J. Bruce's second season at the helm. We saw a couple years ago uh, Jake, uh, Jay Johnson led Nevada to 40 wins. Just missed out on the NCAA tournament. And last year, he took Arizona to the College World Series. So I think T.J. Bruce is going to be looking for a rebound season uh, following a not-so-successful first one as they barely just squeaked into the Mountain West tournament. Uh, looking at their projected record, they're projected to finish fourth in the conference with a record of 19-36 and 36 and go 13-16 and six, thirteen and 16 in conference. It's not great, but somehow that record can get us into fourth place and somehow make the tournament which is confusing. Yeah, baseball is not uh, a sport that I religiously follow, so I don't really know how they do their whole 
tournament thing, but and especially Nevada baseball isn't the most popular sports. I have you been to a game? I have not. I actually didn't know that we had a baseball team up until last year. Really? Not even kidding. Wow. Uh, I went to one game last year. It was freezing cold. We got killed. We gave up like 20 runs. That's a lot. Yeah. Some dude hit like two grand slams. Uh, Yeah. And uh, needless to say, we lost. But I think one thing that's weird with baseball is their schedule begins on the on the 16th, but their first home game isn't until March 9th. Yeah, it's definitely uh, a month on the road. It's not uh, the most ideal schedule, but I believe the reason for that is uh, due to renovations at Piccoli Park. I thought they were done with renovations. Um, they were, but they had to do some extra things as uh, construction for uh, the new road and the uh, gym was going on and all the construction equipment was stored behind the baseball field one thing led to another some things got damaged uh during that whole process but the new turf looks nice the new turf does definitely look nice there are concerns though for uh players going from base to base trying to slide into it not having like the right angle so, so it's not all completely turf um as far as my knowledge is no the bases are still dirt right yeah the bases are still dirt but then the what's lines. the concern hmm? then what's the concern from going base S- to base so, um, in in baseball games, players don't usually run in a straight line yeah. towards the base. There's a round. There's a round out. So the concern is going onto the turf and trying to slide oh, on the turf into okay. the dirt. The I've heard that players are uh, concerned about getting their cleats caught into the turf before they hit the dirt. So you either have to make it like turf to gr- or dirt to grass or turf on turf. Definitely. Okay. Well, um, other notes about baseball: Grant Fenno and Mark, and uh, third baseman, third baseman Grant Fenno and Mark Nowazaski are projected to make the All Mountain West team, which is good to see. Uh, Nowazaski had a really good year last year. Fenno as well. I think we should expect Mike Echevia to step up. He's a JUCO transfer, so I think uh, these. I think Nevada has enough, but I don't think they're going to be that great. Yeah, it's def- like you said, it's definitely nice to see some uh, Wolfpack names up there making the All-Mountain West team, but two or three guys is not enough to... Uh, I think it's also difficult to play in Reno because of the altitude and the ball travels. Definitely. So definitely. although, Nevada, although Nevada might be hitting a lot of home runs, the opponents are going to hit it. Like It's like what happens in Colorado. So I mm-hmm. think I think it's going to be... Um, I think it's going to be a struggle season for Nevada. Definitely. And let's move on to softball. Their season begins on February 8th. So right around the corner. Yep, this Saturday. Uh, they travel to Not this Saturday, so They travel to Puerto Vallarta to, for the college challenge. Um, their first game is against Louisiana Tech. And, well, like, like the baseball team, their first game isn't until March. And their, game is on, and their first game is, is on March 18th. Their first home game is on March 18th. Is there construction at uh, that uh, at their field as well? Um, as far as I know, there is not construction at their field, but that is an all-grass, all-dirt field. So there is concerns with um, the weather, grass drying out, uh, or being too um, wet or dry for the players to play in that. So that's field. why baseball went to turf. So, mm-hmm. pays, so but I wonder why softball hasn't gone to turf yet. Money. That's yeah, probably true. Yeah. Um, 
But they are they are projected to finish fifth in the Mountain West. So it seems like both met both baseball and softball team are hovering around the middle. And it's something you'd like to see them do better. Definitely, definitely would like to see them do better. Um, I personally went to quite a lot of softball games last season, and uh, and you didn't the, know we had a baseball team. Hey, you you, you, yeah. you pay attention to one thing, you don't pay attention to, to the rest. But um, there's definitely a lot of raw talent on the team that just needs to be refined down. We definitely uh, can do a lot better than finishing fifth in the Mountain West. Well, that's good to know. But that is all the time we have for today's show. Miguel, you want to give your social media plugs? Uh, Definite shout-out to Alpha Sigma Phi Nevada. Uh, you're, not plug- you're not plugging your own Twitter? I don't use Twitter. Okay. I'm not a very social media-oriented guy. Um, fair, fair enough. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to plug? Um, not that I can think of. Well, you can find myself on Twitter at GarrettStats. You can follow PacCenter on Twitter at Pack Center NV. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Pack Center Nevada. But one last thing before we go Go Wolf Pack! Oh, my God.